Welcome to the It Crowd podcast, where technology leaders converge with the boardroom elite. In this digital hub, the pulse of cybersecurity, mobility, managed services, and networking comes alive. Here, innovators and decision makers unite, forging a dynamic dialogue for tomorrow's success. So whether you're a tech aficionado or a C-suite strategist, this is your platform. Join host Richard Rodriguez and Josh Lowry as they bridge these worlds, curating insights and fostering a collaborative dialogue. The It Crowd podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors. ClearSync Solutions, unifying your technology solutions with simplicity. From M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services, we're your comprehensive partner aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions, one ClearSync, countless possibilities. eCentire. The authority in managed detection and response protects the critical data and applications of our customers from the known and unknown cyber threats by providing exposure management, managed detection and response, as well as incident response services designed to build your organization's cyber resilience and prevent business disruptions. By combining open XDR platform technology, 24-7 threat hunting, and proven security operation leadership, eCentire's award-winning MDR services and team of experts help organize organizations anticipate, withstand, and recover from cyber attacks. Evolve IP. Evolve IP is the only provider that can start with a single remote hybrid workforce solution and grow the account into a multi-solution contract. Evolve IP delivers integrated work anywhere technologies that enable IT departments to do more with less by getting them out of the PC, BBX, and VPN business. By leveraging our underlying providers, Microsoft, Cisco, VMware, and Citrix, Evolve IP offers services in four categories. Microsoft Teams Direct Routing, Virtual Desktop, Virtual Servers, Disaster Recovery, Backup as a Service, and O365 Azure. Contract Centers, Customer Experience, Leveraging Data as a Service, and any CCAS provider without a VPN or corporate-owned PC. Put us up against any standalone Microsoft Teams, Cisco WebEx, VDI-Data-as-a-Service, VCast, or CCAST vendor. You'll find that Evolve IP offers the best support, fully optimized solutions, and the ability to consistently grow the account so you can make more money. Welcome to the It Crowd podcast, coming to you live from the Upright Digital Studios in the in Houston, Texas. My name is Josh Lowry. I'm joined, as usual, with Mr. Richard Rodriguez. How are you, Richard? Doing great. How are you? Well, I'm good. That was the third time to say that. I'm not. The audience will never know it, but uh, that's the hardest part of the show is just getting through the intro. It's it's harder than it looks. And it's early for you today. Usually, I, you know, that's true. Later. I don't like doing. We're doing a 9:30 a.m. podcast. I like somewhere in that 10:30 to 11:30 prime time. Well, the pre-workout has gone out of your system. Yes, you know, I'm a little jittery. That's a good point. Right. I've had to jam an extra espresso into my system to kind of be ready for this a little earlier than my normal schedule. And okay, now that we're talking about it, I didn't really want to let this out, but I had uh, I had a meeting that turned into a dinner that turned into a post dinner last night. So, but I'm an athlete, Richard, as you know, and I'm a, I'm a gamer, so I'll be ready for the show today. I knew you would come in prepared, no matter what. Yeah, well, I look honestly, this is our first show post summer break, so like mentally, I am just relaxed. Look how relaxed I am. I mean, I had to live vicariously through your summer adventures. Right. While some people had to stay back and work, keep the things going, you know, it's all right. It's good. Well, you are referring to the greatest summer of my life since college. 
which is true. I um, sent my kids to camp for a month. And we, during that month, my wife and I, my wife turned 40 this year, or she's turning 40. She's very quick to point out that she's not 40 yet. But she is turning 40 later this year. And we went to Europe for almost three weeks. And we did Italy and we did France. And honestly, I enjoyed Italy more, which is not hard to do. But we did, and I'm going to say this because I love saying it, we did um, Saint-Tropez. And what I realized is I like saying Saint-Tropez. So <laughs> so I just, I started telling people that I summer in the south of France now. <laughs> and, and which is kind of true. I was there for 36 hours. And it was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I could survive in Saint-Tropez, Saint-Tropez. Um, what I realized was that I am way too poor for Monaco. Like you don't, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have friends with enough money to go to Monaco. Well, I don't ever, know about that. I don't know about that. Okay. That's, there's a couple buddies. Yes. Like I, I had dinner last, one of the guys I had dinner with last night, he told me, this is a true, I, I brought this up. He's like, oh yeah, I'm taking my entire family to Monaco for the F1 race. And I looked at him and I said, and this, again, I, I'm glad this actually came up and I go, I was there for 12 hours and I realized I had to get out of this town immediately. And I said, I think you need 50,000. This is true people, audience. I think you need $50,000 for every 48 hours you're there. And I told him that and he goes, oh yeah, that sounds about right. He goes, we think it's going to be about $500,000 for the, for the four days we're there with the family. And I went, that sounds right. That sounds right. I said, so I'm assuming you're picking up dinner tonight too. And this, and he, he graciously bought dinner. <laughs> it was, it's just the most expensive place I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, that's what it's designed for, right? It attracts the rich and famous over there. Yeah, and shame. And, and that's exactly why you went. The pseudo poor, or the pseudo rich, <laughs> excuse me. I was I was trying to be pseudo rich, and they, I was out of there immediately. So, but yeah, back, feeling good. It's good to have the show going again. We're, we're um, I love this podcast. It's been fun. It, it's been very fun. Yes. And, and we have a lot of good guests lined up, especially with our one today. Yes, absolutely. Let's get into this. You want me to do, you want me to intro yes. or you want? Okay, look, I'm ready to go. So this is, we have Brent Feller with East Centaur, and this is the title. This is, by the way, the reason I'm dressed like this, Brent, is I was doing prep work for you. You live in Austin, but you've lived all over the place. We're going to go over that here in a minute, but I, you're, you live currently in Austin. Correct. And you're in technology. Yep. And I thought to myself, I want to dress like an Austin tech guy today. And you actually dress how I normally dress. You look like you, I mean, the, the poloed shirt. This is how I normally dress, but I'm dressing like I thought you were going to look. So I put on a black V-neck shirt with some jeans. Like I, I wanted to be Austin hip today. And do I, did I pull off an Austin oh, yeah. hipster? For sure. All yeah. right. Came right out of a. Uh... Right out of that area for sure, like yeah. a fat Zuckerberg. Yeah, well, you know, you got the more of the Simon Cowell look, right, with the black. The, uh, <laughs> I can I, that's what I, I figured. I have that same shirt, but it's not a V-neck, right? So, well, you look great. Thank you for joining us. How how is it? I mean, again, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Have you ever done a podcast before? Uh, not a, a video one. I've done recordings uh, in the past, but uh, you know, basically ended up being like on the web webinar type stuff. Okay. Well. This is, even though um, we're new, I would call this the most dominant podcast of all time in our segment. So welcome to the best podcast you're ever going to do. Perfect. Starting at the top. That's right. Everything asked, post this will be just a 
very steep decline from here. <laughs> exactly. So well, kind of like uh, going, you know, from Monaco to maybe Lake Tahoe, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, you need fifty thousand dollars in forty, or you just shouldn't go. I'm telling you, it was uh, it was very humbling. I get it. I yes. get it. So I mentioned that you live in Austin. Can you give us a, a quick background of how you got to Austin? Yeah, so, you know, it's uh, been a long journey, right? Like, uh, started out in California, and then, uh, you know, it was with the company that I was the 25th employee. We did that whole IPO deal, right? Uh, That's cool. I'll tell you an interesting story if you want to hear it. Absolutely. This is people, a podcast. Yeah, exactly. most people don't, don't get this. Uh, but uh, I was actually kind of looking for the next thing to do. And I ran into a gal at a softball game. I got hurt. It was ironic. I was not doing anything. Uh, came in from second base to score. The catcher stuck out his foot, tripped me. I'm in a ball. I'm bleeding. So I'm on the bleachers. <clears throat> she says, well, hopefully you'll be okay for work tomorrow. I said, actually, I'm looking for something to do. So I'm fine. And we got to talking. And she said, well, if you could do anything with the rest of your life, what would you do? And I said, I'd go work on the beach in Hawaii. And she looked at me and said, I know somebody. And two months later, we moved my whole family to Kauai. And I went to work for Marriott on the beach. And we stayed there for about eight years. Wow. Uh, after that, we moved over to Tahoe. I uh, did that for a little bit. Had a cup of coffee there. I, I think I would call that that. Um, and then we ended up in Florida, which uh, I ended up leaving Florida, moving to Manhattan Beach, leaving my family there. Uh, my son's graduation, uh, she was in the parking lot with a U-Haul. Okay, so Florida wasn't a great experience for us. However, I will say this, right? We do love Florida because the last like month we were there, we started going to the beach and we realized, oh, we messed up. We should have been at the beach. So then we ended up in Colorado Springs. Very beachy town. Which is the opposite. We, we moved there kind of like when we went to Tahoe from Hawaii. We had flip-flops. It was, uh, you know, a blizzard. Yeah. And I was driving with chains on my Honda Accord. And I thought, this is how it ends, right? <laughs> and so actually, I got stuck Zero trying to get work. in the driveway because right. the driveway was steep. And I, it was, I, anyway. So then um, I was with Ecentire. I joined Ecentire. I've been there for. Wait, wait, wait real quick. So that's a, that's a lot of great moves there. Yeah. And I just want to know one how old were the kids in Hawaii? So when we got to Hawaii, they uh, were in just at the end of starting middle school, oh, that's the older great ones, age. and starting age. school for the younger ones. Unbelievable. So they were kind of getting into the, the things. And then we left. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was time when we did leave, sure. right? And but they loved it while they were there, though. Yeah, you, you kind of look back, and, and I think it's different when you go there on vacation and then move there. Right. Like, um, <clears throat> we did one year. I mean, there's all kinds of fun stories, right, like, that I can get into, and, and it's it's interesting stuff uh, where like the mission was always to live on Maui. We were on Kauai. So I went and told the guys, hey, I wanna move to Maui. The guys in Kauai were like, we gave you the opportunity. You're our guy. I'm like in the top five in the region doing what I do, which is selling their ownership, right? And so they were like, no, you can't go. And I said, I'm going. So I went to Maui and my family went to California and the guy who was watching our house burnt it down. Oh, jeez. So I'm on Maui. My wife calls me. I'm driving to work. She says, you need to get back to Kauai now. And she's in tears. And I said, why? And she said, because the house burnt down. So we ended up moving the whole family to Maui. We got there. And then we realized that no one was going to fix our house on Kauai because we were on a different island. So we, we called the guys in Kauai. I had to like, you know, 
eat a little humble pie and say, I want to come back. This is what happened. The one guy was like, actually ticked off. He was like, no way. But the other guy who knew me, he was like, you can come back. We got you. I ended up living at the Kauai Marriott, taking the kids to school out of the valet for like four months. Rebuilding a house. Rebuilding a house. We got to two rooms available and we moved in with the dog, right? And actually I was the number one uh, rep for the, the whole site. Number one in efficiency, number one in volume. And I got the teamwork award. And I lived out of the Marriott. I guess I was living the dream. But when you <laughs> when you go there and to work, you know, you, you're not at Dukes every night. You're, you're right. not at the beach every day. You're getting up. You're going to school. So it was quite a different experience from that. So you take it for granted, right? In some ways, which I, I that was the same thing with Florida. When you realize what you have, you have to take the time out of your life to enjoy the things that are around you. Because I've changed enough to know, like in Colorado, I didn't go skiing. Why not? I was too busy, right? Mm. Well, now it's like, hey, why don't you go? So anyway, I, I've learned along the way to enjoy that kind of stuff. What is the uh, youth? Youth is wasted on the young, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. We we it's it's difficult to understand this stuff when you're busy. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it's it's one of those things where we do look back and, you know, taking the kids surfing, getting them in the water. Um, my wife actually did a triathlon. She was like, hey, I'm looking for something to do. So um, she was like, I want to do this. And we trained together. Of course, she had the fancy bike. I had like a mountain bike and we're, you know, bicycling around Kauai <laughs> like 11 miles. And trust You're me. You're like, why aren't I as fast as you? <laughs> you no, know, she she was like, this is awesome. And the swimming part was always the most difficult. But when you're swimming and you're looking at sea turtles below you, it's different, right, than the race because you're enjoying yourself. But uh, luckily it was a women's race, so I didn't race. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Good. You would have dominated, though. Yeah, I would have today. I don't know. If you, I, I've done tries, and women swim fantastic. They do swim, yes. They're very good swimmers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was just there for moral support, really. That's great. That's a great story. Now, I, I listen, I'm thank you for going back and telling us that a little bit because perspective is good. I mean, you learn a lot of lessons over – That's I don't know how long that career you just described is, but that's – I'm sure wherever you are well, – we're going to hear about wherever you are now, but – there's lessons learned over a Hawaiian four-month Marriott stay that yeah. you apply to your life today. I guarantee it. So yeah. that's interesting. All right. So you, we are now in Austin. We are, so we're in Colorado. I'm working for East Entire. Uh, they we started growing good because I had supported everybody that was west of the Mississippi. Okay when I got there, right? So uh, I've been there long enough to have known that this was like when what we were early talking here now. So we're talking 2016 is when I started. Okay. So I've been in Austin uh, since 2018. We basically grew to the point where they said, hey, we're gonna have opportunities here, 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 here. You could go anywhere you wanna go. So, so real quick, I know a lot of people do this. Uh, are you, is your family in Colorado and you're in Austin or is the, everybody in Austin now? So, um, so my kids are older. Okay. So my uh, kids are still in Colorado Springs, okay. right? And we actually took the opportunity, right? I said to my wife, there may be an opportunity in Texas. And she said, yes. I said, do you want to talk about it? She goes, it's three degrees outside. <laughs> Get me out now. Yes. The Accord so, is stuck in the driveway, honey. So we just talked about yes. it, right? And so we then went there. We just there. talked about it. That's funny. We went there That's and uh, went to a, a wedding. And we ended up in this uh, part of uh, Austin called Bee Cave. Great area. Great I went, area. Went to a Great wedding area. up there. Okay. And yeah. then that we, we were like, that's it. 
Uh, we started shopping for houses. Uh, we ended up landing in Bee Cave, and then good timing. We brought uh, with us. Um, we at the time we just had a litter of boxers, and so we had two puppies that were big puppies, and you know an older dog. And then my son at the last minute said, "Hey, I'm not coming." Crazy Ivan, right? He said, "I'm staying." So it was me and my wife. We were down there uh, in Austin with three dogs, which was a new experience. Uh, which was awesome, but at the same time, we were like, hey, well, this is not what we signed up for because we need the help with the dog. <laughs> uh, and then shortly after that, my daughter moved in with us. Okay. And, um, you know, now we have French bulldogs. Go figure. Frenchies. Yeah, those are cute. Yeah, so now uh, we actually moved out of Bee Cave and we're out in Dripping Springs. I mean, this, your uh, life's not getting worse. Exactly. Well, it's, it's interesting. It's uh, recognizing opportunities. Like we uh, took that house. Uh, there's a whole story. We could probably do a whole podcast on this, guys, right? Like, I moved in and I said, I want to buy this house because it's turnkey. Mm-hmm. It sits on the golf course. Everything is done. Uh, my wife did not uh, say the same thing I did. She touched every single room in that house from top <laughs> to bottom. This house is done. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and no, so, it's not. Never. So, uh, as the real estate market was going nuts, she was like, hey, I think I want to cash in. Smart move, too. And so, right at the tail end, we did. And, um, yeah, I mean, so that's well, that's, that's her passion, hot area. right? That's a very hot area, actually. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I I played golf out there. I went to a golf. That's right. Anyway, those are some great golf courses. The, the Nicholas courses out there. See, again, I don't always dress dress like yeah. a, a tech, you know, billionaire, fat billionaire. <laughs> but, today. but today, except for today. But it, uh, yeah, I, Austin. Austin is a. So I'm a Texas guy, and so is Richard. And you're actually a UT guy. I am. Yeah. Yes. Austin is not the Austin that you knew, is it? No, not even close. No, it's not. It's Very changed quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. But, you know, there's still pockets when you go back. There's still you get over there's 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 hidden gems uh, every few months. I mean, my uncle and aunt still live there. So yeah, What does it feel like? Back. I mean, it's always been, you know, the keep Austin weird mantra, right? Correct. And they've done a great job of, like I talked to a guy yesterday. He lost one of his employees to Samsung, right? So I know there's people moving to Austin left and right. What does it feel like from the tech standpoint? Like guys like me, obviously, tech people in our black right. V-necks. How many of, you know, us are moving? Does it is it left and right all over the place over there? Yes, and definitely. I mean, it, it's weird. It's a. I think it's a different dichotomy now because it was always that keep Austin weird. It was a place in Texas where, you know, it was a little more back in the day. You would call it like hippie-ish, that kind of thing, right? right. And then you have, you know, you know, unfortunately, you know, there, there's political divides now that run pretty deep. And you've had a lot of people from California start to move in, especially into Austin. And mm-hmm. now it's weird when you go like there's there's this literal thing where it's like, oh, this is this is old Austin and this is new Austin. And like we don't really like it's 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 a it's very different. Do place. you see that too? Very I different mean, that kind of political divide over there. Oh, we yeah. Don't get to- totally political. No, but no, I'll tell you what's funny is, uh, you know, because we obviously looked at texas um i think the the opportunity is what attracted us right like if you stacked up the economy in texas it's yeah. it's a good opportunity for us right and and we pretty much have proven that out mm-hmm. but when we got here we landed kind of in fort worth to that's, just i love i fort love worth. Fort worth. that's my I miss living in fort worth we're, I too. <laughs> we're at the hotel they're having a cattleman's convention there's all kinds of cowboys right. rolling around it's like an episode of yellowstone right and my wife is like this is awesome i love texas and then we went to Houston for a little bit, and she Sweat was like, your ass off. "Yeah, she was yeah. like, wait a minute, I like the water, but yeah, 
It's terrible. Get me okay, out of here. Okay, and then Come we on. got to Austin, and she, she looks at me, and she has an epiphany and says, you know what? I was fooled. I thought Austin was going to be like that Fourth Worth convention, a bunch of cowboys running around and attractive, rugged men. He goes, there's a bunch of hipsters running around here. Right. So there's... I figured it out, right? In Houston, there's a different uh, group of folks. Sure. In Dallas, depending on where you go, sure. there's a depending different group of folks. Yeah. In Austin, um, we know we just really don't hang out downtown. Texas yeah, is exactly. great. Texas is great. Exactly. It's got some unique... But honestly, I am I would say, in my opinion, Fort Worth is the best city in all of Texas. I love it. Houston, Fort Worth is... Houston is just a big Fort Worth because the people are so nice in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas, I love Dallas. A lot of people don't like it. I'm a huge Dallas guy. Austin's great too. Again, it's just a unique town. I I love how they've done. They've brought so much good business into Austin. And again, where we are, I promise you, we're going to talk about East Centire in yeah, a minute. That's right. <laughs> but I know there's there's companies like East Centire over there, and they've done a great job bringing those types of companies over there. So, um, you know, I'm proud of Texas. I really am. So, again, on that note, East Centire. So is does East Centire have a big base in Austin, or is it you and a couple of other people, or what's going on over there? Yeah, so we're, we're headquartered up in uh, Canada, okay. right? so just outside of Toronto, a town called Waterloo. Um, in the U.S., right, we've acquired a couple, a couple of companies, so we have an uh, office in Virginia and Seattle, mostly development offices, uh, and then we have uh, a lot of sales and support folks in Texas. Okay. We, um, when we had the big freeze, right, and everybody yes. was kind of locked down, we, we kind of bonded together as that over Slack, okay. as you can imagine. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's mostly sales and marketing. In, in Austin. In Austin. Okay. I mean, in all over Texas. All over uh, Texas. Quite frankly, Okay. Yeah. And you run, what what role do you have in that, in the all over Texas aspect? So I am director of the solutions architects. Okay. So when we're engaged with uh, clients or prospective clients, uh, we talk to them about how we do things, what do we do. Uh, I answer a lot, a lot of the technical questions. Uh, one of the guys I travel with uh, used to say, uh, this is Brent, he handles all the tough questions, right? And uh, it's just the role that I, I enjoy the most okay. right it's because uh, i'm an advocate for the customer i'm not there to say hey i need this deal or else okay. uh, i'm there to say hey what do you have today what's the best value that you're going to get out of what we do right so in our world a lot of folks um, really don't know what they don't know uh, yes right and i do a lot of speaking engagements and talking to people and they say hey we're too small we're not a threat and i'm like you don't know how this works what does that mean we're not a threat uh, they are feeling like nobody would be after what they have. Exactly. Oh, you mean we wouldn't, we're not a threat. I think, do they say that the right way or we wouldn't, we're not going to be. They don't think that they, so it's like we always tell our friends, right? It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And a lot of a lot of people, unfortunately, have the this idea that whether it's the industry that they're in or the size of their company mm-hmm. or Oh, we're not really out in public. Like nobody really knows who we are. Nobody's going to come after us. Mm-hmm. That kind of, that kind of yeah. perspective. Yeah. So I have to tell them, like, uh, you don't understand how this works. Like, if I'm a bad guy, yeah, and uh, I go online and I can sign up at a site, and for you know, hundred bucks, I can send out a bunch of phishing emails to a bunch of verified emails. Uh, I go to sleep at night. I come in in the morning. I turn on my computer, and out of those thousand, I may have like fifteen green lights blinking what that means is that's 15 computers that i now have access to so they took the bait they clicked on the link whatever happened and now i'm able to access their machine 
Am I what in a bank? Am right. I at a concrete manufacturer? Am I at a podcast company? I don't know. They don't care. And, and at but the end of the day, exactly. what? At the end of the day, they start looking around and figuring out where they are. And if they can gain privileges or get into the email. Uh, and the way that cybercrime is set up today is these guys, it's a big business, like billions, billions of, dollars of dollars of business. They, those guys are the uh, brokers of that access. So they'll go and sell that access to guys that are interested in information stealing or guys that are ransomware guys, guys that are extortion guys. Depending on what it is, it has different value. Now they get some level of immunity because, hey, I didn't ransom these guys, right. I just fished them. Right. And then the ransom guys, they're the ones that come in. Uh, the way that it, it works today, and I'll it, keep it simple, if I can get between you and what's important to your business, will you pay me to get it back? The, the whole the whole pipeline thing, you remember that yes. when they got hacked? Yeah. Um, it wasn't the pipeline that got hacked, it was their Access. accounts payable oh, stuff. Yeah. They couldn't bill anybody. So they said, stop the presses. Because we don't know where it's going, we can't track it, we're gonna, so that, you when you think about it, right, it wasn't the stuff that you would kind of think about, hey, they stopped the, the pumps, right? No, no, they stopped the ability to track and bill. Good Lord. So that is insane. You're telling me that that's what you mean by getting fished is getting access to this stuff? Yeah. So if I send you an email yes. and you click on it and it downloads my software and that sits quietly behind the scenes, you'll never know it's there. And But I'm able to get to your computer and access and open it up. You know, the, the bad guys are not like clicking on your screen and right. clicking, opening up Word and stuff like that. They're actually really good at machine level programming. So if I can get injected into your computer through a DLL, which is a dynamic link library, it's a collection of functions, and I can replace that code with my code that says, oh, if you do this, go over here and run my right. code, which opens up a backdoor for me, then now what I'm able to do is uh, grab your credentials, grab your email, grab access grab to things. Grab your passwords, grab your, okay, yeah. Yeah. So are you an engineer? What are you? So who are you and why are you scaring the crap out of me? Yeah, well, unfortunately, <laughs> I tell people that that is not my job is to scare the crap out of you, um, but it is to educate you and let you know what's going on. So um, I'm that hybrid uh, right. kind of person where if you want to talk about the technical widgets, I'll get there. But if you want to talk about the business problem, which is really what we solve right. for folks, um, eCentire, I'll give you a, a little plug on that. Please. Right. So when we started out, um, the mission was quite simple because I remember when I interviewed I, the first guy who told me was uh, you know, kind of vice president of sales. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of intrigued, but it sounds like it's being done. When I got to the engineer like me and I said, how are you doing this? What are you doing? I said, okay, no one else is doing this for these small mid-sized enterprises that will never build their own security operation center. And I said, I need to be part of it, right? So I joined, came on board and man, you know what? It was the best move Wait, I could have made. So you're talking, that's 2016. 2016. So you... You, again, I'm not trying to pump you up here, but you, you saw this happening in 16 or you knew this was coming. Why did you, why did you feel that was happening in 16? 
Well, okay, so, so I feel like I, that's some forward thinking stuff. Let's there. let's go back in time, okay. right? So I was uh, with McAfee when they first started. Okay. So I was like one of the first um, security engineers in McAfee. Like they hired me when they came out with their email product. Right. I was at Lotus CC Mail, okay. and they said, "Hey, we need a guy who understands email and can sell security." So they brought me in. Um, first two weeks on the job, we're presenting to Kaiser Permanente. Uh, we closed that deal within two weeks. Um, the, the sales rep who I was talking to at the time, helping me, who hired me in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. Look, a guy Silicon like me, Valley. nice. Yeah, that's right. Another tech Biggest deal in the history of McAfee at that time. <laughs> and she said, welcome to the dark side, you'll never go back, right? And I was like, what does that mean? Um, but what that meant is that um, security was just kind of taken off. So I knew that world. And then we talked about my hiatus, right? I went to work in Hawaii. I went to all these other places. Um, and when that kind of was ending, I said, you know, I want to get back into what I was doing before. And so I have a ton of certifications in networking and Cisco, uh, Novell, VMware, Novell is back in the day, but um, all kinds of things. But what was I really passionate about was security. Uh, I play ice hockey. Okay. And one of the guys I was playing with was like, all of a sudden getting promoted to director of security for the company he worked for. And I said, well, what are you doing with that? And he goes, well, I got to get my CISSP. And I'm like, I am studying for that, but I need a sponsor. And he goes, well, if I pass, I can sponsor you. There you go. Now I'm back. What so, is a CISSP? So that is, um, it's the IS, ISC squared uh, certification for security professionals. Okay. Um, I, I would fail that test question is what is it? Yeah. Today? <laughs> <That's> all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, yeah, it was, it's interesting cause that's really what I wanted to get back into. Okay. So when I got back into that, um, I was looking at different opportunities, um, because my background is so diverse in different things. Um, I was looking at a lot of different opportunities. And then the one that really hit me was the fact that this is becoming a bigger problem for folks and no one is solving it at that level. They sell a bunch of products. You can go buy a thousand products, okay, and still get breached. Correct? Correct. Okay. 100%. So I always tell people, right, like the magic of what we do is we bring an enterprise level security operations center to your company, no matter how big you are. And we manage and monitor all the tools and technology and we do the investigations and threat hunts and we respond. So when we respond to things, we're blocking the network traffic, we're isolating the endpoint. So you got fished. You clicked Correct. on something, it downloaded the software, the bells and whistles go off. We see it, we jump in and we remove your host from the network. So it can't spread. So when I heard that was the vision, I said, you know what? No one else is doing this like that. There was the traditional guys who would alert on things. So if you want a history lesson, right, it's you go back and, and the people would buy all the tools and then that stuff would start kicking out alerts. So the IT guys who don't know security were going, I don't know what to do with these alerts. Right. So then they they created the MSSP, managed security, um, you know, providers, providers that that can take those alerts in. Then they created the SIM, which is the security information event management, which took all those alerts into one spot. And then now what you got to right was instead of getting an alert from your firewall you got an alert from your firewall and you got an email from your security provider because they couldn't do anything so that's where we come in when we had 
uh, on the endpoint in the network, the ability to stop the bad actor before we alert you, that's the secret. So, I, I mean, I can tell you stories, like, again, not to scare you no, or whatever. Yeah, for sure. But, like, no. we, we have one that um, just recently happened, and the company, uh, we're, we're monitoring, we're going through stuff, and we put some new technology in place on the endpoint to monitor for uh, a new technique that the bad guys were using to um, deploy software in environments that is signed and good software. So to the security tools, it doesn't look like anything, right? We picked up on that. It went to the security operations center. The guys looked into it and they said, hey, you know what? This, this triggered this event. We're seeing this. We see it on this one computer. So that created a, a bigger investigation where we got an incident handler involved and he broke it down. And then we said, well, do we see it anywhere else in the environment? Sure enough, we're sitting there at three in the morning. It's on over 200 computers. So there's this thing called living off the land, right? Living off the land is the way the bad guys get in there and use your Windows tools against you. So they're using remote desktop, they're using PS exec, they're using PowerShell. Of course, anything that kicks off PowerShell, we see that, right. but they, they know how to move around stealthily. So once we figured out that this was on all these computers uh, and we saw that it was a ransomware attack, that they had set a logic bomb, a timer to go off. So it, once the machine rebooted, it was going to lock it up. So we made the decision at three in the morning to isolate all of the hosts that were had it on there. Uh, we, we, have you ever seen the movie Mission Impossible? It's out, right? We were playing beat the clock. We were disarming the bombs on all these computers to make it go away. Um, and then we were at the same time looking around the network to where is this happening? Why is this happening? We found a, a endpoint, a host that didn't have the um, security software on it that had been compromised. Oh my gosh. So think about this. I mean, this, this is modern day Mission Impossible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the thing that I always say, right? Like, and, and who's doing this? Like uh, at, in your office, is somebody going, we've got a breach, we've, let, let's find it. I mean, or is it all? Yeah, so a little bit on East Entire, we have yeah. two security operations centers okay. that we run 24-7, 365. Okay. That they do the monitoring, the investigations, the threat hunts, and the response. There's layers in that. So you have the first level guys who can handle okay. easy stuff. We have guys that take phone calls and you know, I, I don't, what's going on here, I don't know. And then we have the layer three and then we have the incident handlers. If it gets to an incident handler, you know- It's bad. You're in the grease. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. in the grease. It's, it's, okay. it's, and then they're backed by our threat response unit, yes. right? So the threat response unit is a group of about uh, 60 Just total security. pros. These guys are made up of threat intel folks, uh, threat researchers, reverse malware engineering guys. I, bet, I would just can't even imagine yeah. the intelligence on these kind of guys. <laughs> yeah. and, and so that's when it reaches that level. Seriously. That's when we, we get involved. So that's what eCentire does. That's our core business, right? Like if you look at the marketing literature, we'll say we do a lot of different things. We, we do um, help people become more resilient um, with their cyber environment. You said it right. It's not if it's, it's when, and you have to be able to anticipate that stuff. So we help folks with the planning and virtual CISO and incident response readiness. Then we do the, also we, we bought a company that does incident response. I'll tell you this, it's mostly because it's a great resource of leads for us. Because we can tell you, you should buy MDR. And you go, yes, I should, but I have no money. MDR, then, managed detection and Response. response. Yeah, correct. that's our which is a category you guys created, by the way. That is correct. Yes. So 
we, we can tell them it's so great, but they go, hey, I'm not at risk. I'm not big enough. Who are enough. you guys even selling to? So we started out in the financial services space. Okay. So think about your private equity groups, hedge so funds, hedge right? Funds, okay. So guys that are managing trillions of dollars in, in America's or in the world's wealth, um, but they, they can't even spell security, but they're connected into the, the bigger corporations. So we started there. Um, when we got to Texas and, and we really started working in the different areas, um, we'll sell to anybody. So when you say anybody, I, I know you, I don't want to put you on the spot with your customer base, but let's just say anybody meaning a, uh, a an energy firm directly, or are you selling directly to the the large firms? Yeah, we'll, we sure. we have customers of all different yeah. shapes and sizes. Okay. Yeah, um, the, pretty much there's every vertical that you touch now, whether it's they go you know, direct fi- to them. They're not going through I mean, financial I, services, okay. oil and gas, energy, okay. healthcare. Okay, I mean, think, I mean, healthcare is huge. Yeah. So I mean, for for us. Um, you know, we have like the world's largest uh, carrot farmer. We have a chocolatier. We have, um, you know. I love it. So yeah, when you, it's really diverse. I always tell people this, right? Like if you're connected to the internet and you have folks clicking on I'm stuff and opening. I'm unconnected, but yeah, keep going. <laughs> opening emails, you should be a customer. That's it. Okay. Because uh, the reality is like we talk to a, a potential client and, it, it, you know, people think about this stuff differently until it happens to them. And uh, we were in there talking to them, giving our, our pitch, telling them how great we are. Obviously, we feel we're pretty cool. And they go, well, no, we got a guy who handles that. And I said, who's that guy? He goes, well, Tony. My, my I cousin. Said, I said, well, no, where's Tony? Why isn't he in the meeting? And they go, well, he goes to, um, you know, Thailand every February for the whole month. I said, does he post on Facebook? Does he tell people he's not in the office? I mean, who's monitoring? And they, you can see them just sinking back into their chair because their security guy is not there. And if, if I'm a bad guy and I know when this is happening through social media, you know, there's this um, whole world of people that profile you. You got to be careful what you post online, oh God. where you're putting, where you're sending things and what you're saying you're doing because- 100%. You don't realize how yes dead meat I am. Well, it's it's not that right. It's just you know people you know, you know like we can't go anywhere now without anybody asking us. Hey, what about AI? What about AI? What about yes. AI? Right. And you'll get the should you should regulate us. You should do all these things. And oh, we didn't we'll create, regulate we didn't, ourselves. We didn't create this for for bad intention. That's the thing. You didn't create it with a bad intention. But there are people out there who know the power of these tools and they're using it for bad mm-hmm. intentions, right? And so you have to you have to protect yourself against that. But people don't people just don't think about it that way. Yeah. And and the reality for us is we have to think about that, too. Exactly. So internally, we have um, projects going around AI. Um, we do a lot of machine learning today to train things, to look for things and, and kind of get faster and better. As you can imagine, the as the volume of these things go up, we can't just throw more bodies at it. We right, have right. to use the machines to do it. Um, the reality is the bad guys, uh, I saw it just uh, this morning on the plane ride over where they said, hey, uh, chat GPT, create oh, me some code based yes. on this vulnerability. And within a couple of minutes, it comes back with a Perl script. Right. That's what we're up against with that. We had uh, on another podcast, we had going back to a point about how smart your guys are. Have, do you have much interaction with the the dark room guys you're speaking of? The the threat level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think geniuses for, for me, right? That's where I 
like you, you know, you get your material, if you will, from the security operations center. That's where the rubber hits the yeah, road, right? So when, when I tell you these stories, it's because these are things that have happened and things that, that people need to understand, like, hey, like you talked about private equity, right? We have a private equity firm that uh, said, hey, I get it. I, I put my millions of dollars into you. What are you doing to protect my investment? So he obviously recommends what we do. And uh, there was one company that basically he said, okay, I'm going to give you the network monitoring and the log monitoring to eCentire. Um, the endpoint, I'm gonna actually give that to the endpoint vendor that does a service like that because they're the vendor. So we said, okay, sounds good. Because you know the thing with us is we're, we're very flexible. You don't have to have everything to be a customer. It's not take it all or, right, or leave it. Right. And so we're going along monitoring our, our customers and then we see an active intrusion in that customer. So we jumped in, uh, we only had the log information. So we started notifying the customer, hey, we're seeing this, this is happening now, you need to pay attention to this. And then we felt it was bad enough where we started escalating. So we call the first guy, call the second guy, call the third guy, we're leaving all these voicemails. Finally, we get a call back from one of them that says, it's a false positive, the endpoint vendor says, don't worry about it. So we stand down. So the next day, the private equity firm guy calls us and he's yelling at us and telling us how bad we suck at our job. And of course he's yelling at the sales guys, right? And so we said, wait a minute, let, let's find out. Let me go to the security operations center and see what happens. And we asked them and they go, oh no, no, we, we saw it. Here's the receipts. Here's where we notified him. Here's where we called this guy. Here's where we called that guy. Here's where this guy told us to stand down. After he picked up his jaw from the floor, he goes, can I have all that? Sure. He goes to the endpoint vendor. Finally, they go, yeah, we screwed up. Because all his machines are locked up. So. Uh, the next day he calls back and he goes, I get it now. If you would have had control of the yeah, endpoint, you would exactly. have stopped it on that first thing that you saw and I would have one machine to fix instead of the whole company. That's what I'm looking at. Your, your mean time is 15 minutes to contain right. and 35% of threats identified before they become commercial threats. 12% of threats identified are never seen in the commercial feeds. I understand, I, I get this. I mean, I get it, control, you guys see it, you can stop it. Okay. That's the key is if we uh, just can alert, we're not as effective if we can as if we are, if we can stop. If you're unable to be able to, yes. to stop it. Yeah. You know, the re I, I, I kind of have a point to ask that question about how smart these guys are. We interviewed, um, I, I guess I won't say their name just because they, I don't, I'm 90% sure they're not a competitor, but just in case I won't say their name. And I asked, uh, I was blown away by how smart these two people were that we interviewed. And you know both Stanford people. One of them was CIA. The other was you know just brilliant people. And they are kind of I'm just mesmerized by their stories. And I said, what is it like? I kind of joked. I said, what's it like to be smart? <laughs> and the guy looks at me and he said, I'm not smart when I go back to my office. Yeah. <laughs> he said. Right. He's like, you know, when I go to the room that you're describing, because they have their own room, and it's, again, different companies. I'm, I'm sure you guys aren't competitors, but he said, this room is full of actual smart people that are doing actual things that you just can't comprehend yeah. in the real world. Like, they don't live in the real world. They're thinking, you know, so many steps ahead of what we are what we do on a daily basis. And the way he started describing that is how I'm envisioning what you're talking about, that you're I don't want to call it your dark room, but whatever room that your guys live in to 
solve these problems from getting to become actual problems just must be the brain power there. I just can't even imagine of what you guys are actually dealing with. And for you, I mean, you're doing a tremendous job translating it, quite honestly. And you're saying where the rubber meets the road and you're just going to pick up tidbits of stories. I'm sure these guys have stories that don't even translate to you. Yeah, there's, I'm I'm always asking them like, hey, what's happening next? And just so you know, right? Like anybody who's interested, we do put out on our Threat Intel page, uh, monthly threat briefings where we talk about this stuff. We do uh, webinars where you can go see things. For our customers, they can get daily alerts. They can get... Uh, weekly um, contact with these guys to prepare for what we're seeing out there. Because the biggest thing I can tell you, I don't think you want to do this. I'm looking at your numbers. This people, you don't want to do what he's describing. <laughs> 6,000 human led investigations, 700 daily escalations, 400 daily threat contaminants. Like this is, is it, is it really this bad? The world is this bad out there. And I hate to yeah. scare the crap out of everybody, but is it really this bad? It, it's really what's happening today. And it, it only gets worse. So like I always tell <laughs> oh people, like all you have to do is be aware of what happens in the world, right? Is every uh, Tuesday of one Tuesday of the month, one of the companies releases, releases patch Tuesday. And you know, you got 99 problems and two of them are zero days which means no, they've never been uh, accessed before, so there's no protection in place for it. And so how can you respond to that quickly? So I tell people what we do for them is that we actually, like I said, bring that whole security operations center experience to them um, with the tools, the people, the processes for probably less than it would take for you to hire a guy, depending on the size of your organization. That's the magic. Well, and then you also get to leverage all of that, right? Because you're you're gathering so much intel because of your your customer base, as compared to if somebody decided, oh, I'm going to go create my own sock. Yeah, they're not they're not going to have that exposure. They're, there's no way. They're right? only going to see what they know. What they know. Yeah, exactly. and that's for what us. What is a sock? Security operations center. Okay, I knew that. I was just seeing if you knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the that's where the real you know, guys that get into this stuff. Um, they have to be of a certain kind of mentality. They're, they're part air traffic controller, part mathematician, and part like curious enough to go figure it out. Um, we have a group in there. Um, there's a story on our website. It's actually, uh, we unmask this uh, guy that created this um, malware as a service uh, called Golden Chickens. Okay, I don't get to name them. Golden Chickens had a module in there called More Eggs that was used by the bad guys in the financial services. They're attributing $1.6 billion in stolen money or whatever to this whole thing. So we actually started looking into this guy um, and followed him around. And I don't, I'm going to mess up all the details. It's on the website, but I'll give you the Reader's Digest version, right? Um, we started figuring out, like, who is this? Where is this coming from? Because we're seeing it in our space. Our financial guys are getting attacked by this constantly. We created detectors. We started looking at it, and then um, we went to the you know the dark web where they sell this stuff. And he had a beef with one of the customers, customers of his thing. And the rule was, I don't want this thing out there. I don't want it widespread. So he licensed it to Josh, and then the next day it showed up on Virus Total. And then they got into an argument. He said, I'm deactivating you. You can't do this anymore. And he's like, well, what do you mean I didn't do anything? He said, I, I licensed it to you. The next day it's on virus total. You're a threat researcher. 
And so they went back and forth, um, and then they he threatened to kind of out him and all this stuff. So that you know piqued our interest. So we started kind of following this trail along, and we ended up finding that the guy's name uh, account was Bad Bulls Venom. So we thought it was something to do with cows, right? So we're we're kind of looking down this path. Then we found a um, you know Facebook page, Bad Bulls Venom, and then we started looking into that, and then. Then it led us to the fact that he loves BMWs and he was in this uh, forum and BMWs trying to sell like uh, Home Depot gift cards that are $400 value for 200. Sounds right, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is a good deal. He's trying to sell a PlayStation. So we we followed along along the path and then we got some other aliases like Chuck LaRock, uh, Kaiser Sose. (laughs) um, And we, we went through this whole thing and I, I tell you all that, right, that this is the, the threat response unit, just digging in. And they said, okay, so we've got all this stuff. And then they came across a post where he had posted his email. And then that led us to look at, okay, what can we do with that? Well, guess what? You know, you hear all of these stories about T-Mobile or whoever lost all these records. What happens to that stuff? Well, it gets dumped somewhere on the web, exactly. right, in, in a paste bin. So that's searchable. So we went out and started searching the, the, the things for this guy's email. Sure enough, we found it. We found this. Um, and then we found a dump from MySpace with that email <laughs> that, that had a password. Good Lord. Then we started looking back at other things. And guess what, guys, right? Like we found a business that he had registered in his name in his home address in Montreal. So we had Google's Maps. We had a picture of him in front with his BMW. We found him on the web. It wasn't cows, bad bulls. He, he's into dogs. Oh, really? Yeah. And so uh, we worked obviously with, yeah, with the authorities. And then we actually um, you know, found the next guy because he had a partner too. Um, anyway, the, the moral of that story is, guys, don't reuse your passwords. Oh, gosh. That's how yeah. we found him. Yeah. He reused the password and it was out in the, the web. So um, if you're reusing your password everywhere, rethink that, change that. It's time to change your passwords. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. Well, folks, uh, change your underwear after that story. Change your passwords. Um, this podcast is immediately worth the entire reason we started it. 100%. Honestly. This is this is exactly why we did it. Exactly why we did it. And, and that's just, this is one reason why we've done it. Um, you know, I before, I, I think this was off air, you know, Richard and I told you I, I begged to be a part of this because we were hacked in mm. two, three years ago. Uh, our One of our companies was, and it was simple. And, and I was protected by Google, so I just assumed Google was unhackable. And uh, apparently it was very hackable. Yeah. And I was hacked and I couldn't get in. And Richard was one of the people that got us out through, you know, his connections and saved us. And, and um, after that happened, he started informing me of actually this happens all the time, X, Y, Z. So cybersecurity was just one part of the mission for beginning this, the, the It Crowd podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you get the double, the necessity of the It Crowd, the IT and then yep. the It meaning between uh, the connection of the, the world of IT with the connection of the senior leadership that they're busy, they're running good companies, they don't know what they don't know. And 
we don't want our friends uh, that run private equity firms, uh, you know, hedge funds or high-end oil and gas companies, energy companies, to be caught off guard on things that I'm not going to say are simple fixes, but are relatively simple fixes if you catch them ahead of time. And when I hear these stories, I'm like, this is a part that they need to be aware of, but this is a big part because this can really hurt them. And, you know, ignorance is not something that can be a reason to not to not know this. And I was listening to a podcast, I think it was one of yours, your, you know, daily download or whatever it's called. And the guy said that um, cybersecurity is, is a board level responsibility now. Yeah. And it is. Sure. It is. And <clears throat> I mean, look at the rules uh, that came out just a couple of days ago for the SEC, right? So if you're a public company, you have to disclose within four days that you've had an incident. Is that right? Yes. So that's a new rule that got Did not know that. They are about to, they're about that. to adopt rules for um, for boards. So a lot of times, like nobody really wants to deal with cybersecurity. So the low person on the on the totem pole that just gets pulled into the board, they're like, "Oh, you deal with compliance and you deal with cybersecurity." Right. They have no experience in it. You know, they've they've never had it, and they're like, "Oh, sure, I'll sign my name." And now we're just, we're just you, living in a different world. You're going to be you're going to be required that whoever is on your board that is responsible for that has to be educated, has to have some well, kind I mean, of experience you look at these... in it because it's so important these days, right? I mean, the average, when it came out the other day, the average cost of a breach has gone up now, and it's now about $4.5 million. That's unreal. I mean, it's unreal, yeah. right? Now multiply that if you're... You know, if you're one of our our friends who runs a really large company, right. multi-billion dollar company, that four and a half million turns into an extreme amount of money. We need to get our buddy DeRoad on here and ask that, what does that mean from an insurance standpoint? Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and exactly right. Like we talked to him, right? Like they're, they're changing, you know, cybersecurity mm -hmm. insurance is an ever evolving industry, right? And to where before they were making a lot of money on it, now they see the cost of it. And those requirements are going up as well, mm. right? So you have to have, you know, you have to have somebody on a retainer now where before you didn't. It was just like, oh, yeah, we have this 1-800 number and we'll call this person if something were to happen. And now it's like, no, like you, you know, depending on what your level of retainer is, that's going to directly reflect on your insurance premiums, right? Yeah. You have to be able to show that you have these tools in place. You have to be able to right. show that if you're a certain size company that you have, you know, you do employ somebody that has a SOC, that you're able to to do all this stuff as to where before it was just like, eh, kind of like rubber stamp and we're yeah. good. They could uh, pencil whip it before. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. The, the problem is you hit it right on the head is they are actually paying on some of this stuff. So uh, the, as the cyber insurance tightens down, I can tell you uh, I've seen at least 10, 15 of these DDQs of folks going, Hey, my cyber insurance company won't renew me unless I have this. Yes. And guess what? Active network monitoring 24-7, active endpoint monitoring, EDR 24-7, log monitoring 24-7. All things we've been doing for years. And that's what you should have been doing all along. But now the cyber insurance company is saying, if you don't do this and you just say you're doing it and you yeah. file a claim, we're going to go, okay, show me how oh, you... Oh, man. Right. Wow. And if you can't, guess what? Yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not getting paid. It's on your own. I, I'm not. I don't even say it. You know. Man, I kind of feel so it's, whipped. It's like this, right? Like that's why we're in business <laughs> is because you're right. It, it is sometimes overwhelming when you really think about what you're up against as a company. And the board sometimes doesn't want to know what they don't know. 
Right. And and then when somebody says, hey, what about this? Or if I get breached, what happens? Then it becomes a little bit real uh, for them. You know, we do sell incident response retainers. Um, we had one company that we're talking to, big organization, and they don't, they have like two guys in security and they said, well, we're gonna do some of it ourselves. And I said, well, okay, that sounds good, but make sure you buy our incident response retainer. And looked them right in the eyes, like, cause you're gonna need it. Yeah, right. Next thing you know, they're not doing that anymore. They're signing up with us because they get it. Like so we bring the army. You guys are, I'm looking, I'm looking at some numbers here. You're about a thousand person company or how big you're up to a thousand people. I'm yeah, I think we're somewhere in the 650 range. Okay. Um, we're, we're an interesting organization that the bulk of those folks are in the security operations center and the threat response unit, okay. um, not sales and marketing. Okay. Yeah, founded in 01, Canadian based, privately held still? Privately held, we're uh, owned by a PE firm. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, not sales and marketing. So you guys, you said you purchased somebody for leads. Did I hear that early on? So we purchased an uh, incident response company. Ah. So they had uh, software that does IR kind of like, you know, um, so I need to break the glass as a company. Something's gone wrong, uh, someone needs to come in, right? So in there was Carbon Black, and their, carb, their CB response tool, which was the kind of de facto standard. Mm -hmm. um, we obviously partnered with those guys. CrowdStrike is now out there. We partnered with those guys. Sentinel One, we partnered with those guys. Okay. Um, but these, uh, this organization had one of, the, they were one of two that were authorized with the Department of Homeland Security to use their software. What it does is it sits on their key assets like their domain controllers, file servers, and monitors the logs uh, continuously kind of in the background. Um, so that if they say, hey, I need to figure out, has this ever happened in my environment in the last 30 days? We can query that and within minutes get all the information right back at our fingertips. So for us, it gave us that tool and it gave us an IR company. I said that kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah, I understand what you mean yeah, now, right. now that because, explains it further. Right, if somebody yeah. comes to us like you, hey, my hair's on fire, I need help. And we said, you should have bought in our managed detection and response and they didn't. We didn't have a great way to help them. Yeah. Now we can help them, and then we can tell them why. And the, the need is obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Makes right. Sense. So, so the checkbook opens up. Yes. The, I mean, the need is just yeah. It's, it's one of these things where right. you know, flood insurance. You don't need flood insurance if your house is dry. All of a sudden, you've got yeah. To, no you fire. Think, yeah, that's right. That's I don't flood. need insurance. Now, you know what? Maybe I do need yes, flood insurance. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I I think that um, that's that's why we acquired them. It gave us some some really cool tools. And then what we're actually doing is turning that space on its head as well. We're offering four hour um, threat suppression uh, and, and nobody else is offering that. And that's because we have that tool that we can deploy in the environment. And if they're obviously a customer of ours and they're using the endpoint software, um, they get some discounts because we feel like uh, we're gonna stop it before it even hits that point. There is some customers that spin up new areas, new new departments, and they don't have it monitored, and then they get breached, and then oh, that that would kind of fit into that IR piece. Right. Is there anything that we have not touched on today that you would like to talk about? You know, there's so much stuff, and well, I, I don't. I, I mean, think, it's ever evolving. I mean, we yes, this could be just just scary. You're telling me it's scarier than what you've told me. I can tell you, I can talk about this all day. I have to give Lauren some credit here. She and I'm gonna. And Lauren is our producer on the show, and she 
produce. I don't know if she, I just heard her say something through the wall there, <laughs> but she, uh, the notes she prepared for me are excellent. And we touched on every single thing she prepared. So Lauren, great job. I'm going to give her some public shout out on this. Well done. And you know, I'm, I, you know, Richard kind of prepped me for what we were going to talk about as well. The, it, it always comes down to the guest. Is the guest going to be great to talk to or not? You have, I mean, you clearly know your stuff and your breadth of knowledge. And honestly, the knowledge is part of it, but I really feel like there's just this like experience. Like the, the part that's most interesting to me is the fact that you looked at it in 2016 and said, this is going to be something major. Yep. And that's, you know, I, again, I don't know how 2016 feels like it was 50 years ago all of a sudden, right. but it, it does feel yeah. like it was a we, long we, time ago. We've been through a lot. Yeah, yeah we really have then, been, right? right? Like, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but it, I guess it was and it wasn't. Um, but it feels like I like having people like you that have vision and maybe we've, this is what's going to happen at the helm. I also like hearing that the majority of your coworkers are those threat security people. Yep. And not, um, I mean, look, so I'm, I'm a sales and marketing guy, so I like this. We'll help you get leads, quite honestly, because yep. I'd rather a bunch of people stay in that dark room and keep the keep the threats away. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the real thing that we do, right? It's like um, you look at other organizations that are really focused on getting, you know, customers, so sure. they'll have maybe more customers than us. Um, but at the end of the day, are they doing as good of a job? And, and I'll tell you, no. Right. And the reason for that is if someone comes to you and says, hey, we can do anything, doesn't matter what you have, what they're doing is they're monitoring your logs and they're regurgitating alerts. Right. Because a log is a text file. How do I respond with a text file? I call you or I email you. That's my response. Right. With us, we want to be monitoring the endpoint, the network and have the ability to stop that. If they're deep in Microsoft, we can even uh, get into Defender for Identity, mm. not to go down to technical sure. stuff, but that allows us to actually force multi-factor on right. accounts that potentially have been compromised or even remove their access. We'll do that 24 seven. So when your guy's on vacation in Thailand, we're there for you, right? That feels very specific. I feel bad for whoever the guy who went vacation time was. <laughs> whoever that guy was, I'm not sure he's still there. But, uh, well, what do you think, man? Anything you want to touch on? No, I mean, this is, again, this is exactly why we started this podcast. And thank you for coming on. And, and East Entire is an amazing company. Mm -hmm. You know, we do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is exactly, you know, what we tell our friends all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like the threats are out there. They're going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's a matter, you know, it's not, I always say it's not if, it's when. And you've got to be prepared because like you said at the very beginning, you know, we I hear this a lot where it's like, well, I bought this tool and I bought, it's like, that's great. You bought all these tools. You know, one, nine times out of 10, you're not utilizing the tools as you should be. You know, two, you're spending all this money. They're not really working together properly. Mm -hmm. And then three, at the end of the day, nobody's really looking at it, right? Yeah. You can come back and say, yeah, I've got all these files. I've got all these laws. I've got, okay, but you're not doing anything with it. And really, and it's really educating them to understand where an e-centire makes a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's taking all of that, one, making sure that they're spending money the right way. Right. They're utilizing the tools. But then if something really bad happens, there's somebody there to actually take action on it, right? Rather yeah. than, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the the beauty of it is like um, when when I talked about it earlier about IT, um, they get thrown security, 
by defect, right? Like, hey, you're the IT guy, install this. But when that stuff starts happening, they don't know how to dig in and look at it. So they're just like, unplug the cords. You know, I don't know, something's wrong. <laughs> right. but that's that's what we do. Sure. If, you, if you look at eCentire and say, I'm gonna actually have a whole group of individuals down the hall in a room monitoring my technology around the clock, that's what you get. Mm -hmm. We're an extension of your team. I love team. that, yeah. Beauty of it is, we don't call in sick. We don't take vacation. Don't go to Thailand. I can keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, listen. So it's uh, it's eCentire.com, letter E Centire.com. Um, Brent Feller, Director of Solutions Architect, Western Region. Thank you very much for being a guest on the show today. The It Crowd Podcast. Richard, I think we killed it as usual. Today was great. Per the huge, I look like my, the tech billionaire that I am. Except I can't afford to go to Monaco for more than three hours. So not quite there yet. Um, look us up on all of our social media channels. Uh, the It Podcast. We are on LinkedIn. We are on everything, right? We're on it Facebook. Podcast. What'd it, I say? You said It Podcast. Excuse me. It's been a day. It has been I, a day. I just dominated the last hour. I can't dominate the last 10 yes, seconds. On all social channels. Yeah. Look us up. The It Crowd Podcast on uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the good stuff. Richard Rodriguez, thank you, sir. Thanks a lot, Josh. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, yeah, Brent. Thank yes, you for having me. Appreciate it. The It Crowd Podcast is proudly brought to you by the following sponsors. Upright Digital. Upright Digital specializes in partnering with your business to maximize marketing efficiencies. We have a deep understanding of people, their needs, motivations, behaviors, as well as the technologies that enable brands in many industries to utilize what is available in a changing digital landscape. Find us online at uprightdigital.com. ClearSync Solutions, unifying your technology solutions with simplicity. From M&A integration to global connectivity, cybersecurity to managed services, we're your comprehensive partner aligning your business goals with technology for energy, oil and gas, and financial service firms. Trust our proven track record. ClearSync Solutions, one ClearSync, countless possibilities.